You are listening to Myth Behaving, a podcast with a little bit of attitude on the literary world. Won't you come Myth Behave with us? Hello and welcome to Myth Behaving. This is episode 29 of the Myth Behaving podcast and we're recording on March 23rd. I'm Mary Wilson and I'm joined by my co-host and producer, Carla Clifton. Hey, Carla, how are you today? I am absolutely fabulous. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Excellent. Well, I tell you what. Hello, listeners. Each myth-behaving show features a special guest from the literary world. It could be a writer, a publisher, an agent, an editor, or anyone else connected with the world of publishing. Plus, we have several special segments related to reading or writing. in the library of a myth behavior. And that means it's time for something from the library of a myth behavior. And today I'm recommending Unexpected Gifts by S.R. Mallory. This historical novel, it covers slices from a family history over several generations. I loved this book. Uh, the, the different slices are tied together by the main character, Sonia, who's going through her own issues. And, uh, her her opening up and her own discoveries as she's dealing with their problems through their journals and diaries is so fascinating because it it goes through like her her parents and then her grandparents and then her great grandparents and just fascinating how the author has tied together all of these generations through the, the the current generation and how she gains insight into her own problems as well as her own family members and the choices that they made in their lives. So talk about a fascinating, it's historical, it's women's fiction, it's a little bit of everything. And boy, I really love this book. Well, that must mean our special guest today is S.R. Mallory. Welcome to the show, Sarah, and thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me on. It's, it's really a pleasure and it's an honor. Thank you. Well, it's an honor for us, and we're we're thrilled to have you chat with us today. Uh, so thank you for being here, and thank you for letting me read your wonderful book. Oh, I'm I'm really glad you liked it. it there was a lot of work in that, so it, it's very, very nice to hear words like you just gave me. Thank you. Of truth and mythery. Of Truth and Mythery is a segment where we take a commonly held publishing or writing belief and examine whether it's true or just another myth. Sarah, please feel free to answer this. Mm -hmm. Researching history for a novel is dry, boring, and takes a long time. Is that truth or just another myth? Well, I'm kind of the wrong person to ask because I absolutely love research, and that's one of the reasons why I've decided to, at this point, stay with historical fiction. Um, I, you know, it can take a long time. That is the downside of it, but I just love it. I love looking at photographs, hearing music of the time, and as a matter of fact, when I wrote my book, each 
decade or each era that I was writing about, I literally downloaded um, from iTunes different music from the different periods. I also love reading about dialects that people used and idioms and the culture. Um, so it it also gave me ideas for plots and motivations and things like that. So. I love doing the research, but I have to admit the downside is that it does take a lot of time. So, you know, uh, even not just for historical fiction, people who want to take the time, you're in a flow and you just want to, you realize you need to look up something that does take time. And I could see for some people, maybe they don't like it. I just love it. I love that extra time looking and researching. I do too. And I love, I'm glad you brought up the music because that was one of the things that I absolutely loved about this because you, you inserted those, you, you set the scene for us through the music as we went into each of the, the different time periods. Mm -hmm. And I loved that you did that. I I thought that was fabulous that, that you used music as the tie in to say, this is what they were talking about. Um, in the 70s, or this is what they were listening to in the 70s, and the, right, right, you know, the 60s right. and the 70s, and the Woodstock, and all of that. It was just fabulous. Yeah, because, I mean, I, that was also my era, but I, and I didn't go to Woodstock, although I almost did. I was living on the East Coast then, but uh, I just... I wanted to bring the names out. I just, it was such an iconic time. It was really marvelous, so I, I wanted the reader to just feel like they were there because I had talked to enough people who had gone you know I talked to a lot of friends and a lot of the ideas that I got uh, during that chapter or that segment were from people who were there you know so uh, thank you Mary yeah the music is very important to me I it gives me all kinds of ideas you know it's just well, not great listening to it when I'm driving because it could be dangerous <laughs> <laughs> Well, I I love when books explore other times the way you did. What drew you to write this book? Well, you know, um, I've always, uh, my family albums, you know, I used to look over them with my grandmother and my mother. And um, I noticed, in hindsight, I realized when I looked at each of the photos, I didn't just look at what they were wearing. I was looking at their expressions and I was wondering in my mind, even as a kid, gee, I wonder what it was like for them. Oh, did they have the phone back then or whatever? I I always was curious. And then I think what, what really started clicking with my interest in generations was uh, when my daughter was really young at around two, um, I was visiting my parents and she and I were sleeping together in one of their guest beds. And um, I was actually reading a, a short story that my mother had written years before. And suddenly when I looked down, my daughter was kind of nestled up you know, next to me, uh, I looked down and I thought, oh, my God, there are three generations in the bed tonight, you know, and and I don't know, I felt so elated by that idea that I was carrying on because my mother by that time had, you know, wasn't well, and she shortly died after that. It was really nice to have that feeling of three generations in that bed. So years later, when I decided to write this book, I knew I wanted to talk about American time periods. And 
I thought back to that time and I thought, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to have, you know, one generation helping, you know, another generation. So that's where it came from. That's awesome. It's time for MythPrint, tips and tricks of the industry. It's time for another one of our special segments. MythPrint includes a basic tip concerning writing, marketing, or anything else to do with the industry. Sarah, because this novel is considered women's fiction, do you have any tips about writing in that genre that you could share with our listeners? Well, you know, uh, people actually have asked me this before. Um, that's a hard one because I just feel that no matter what the genre is, it's the bottom line is good characters. You know, they're really important, whether they're despicable characters or they're wonderful characters or whatever, and whether they're male or female. Um, I, I actually in my book, because each of the historical chapters are from uh, the is first person narrative from the and individuals and the ancestors. Um, I have several chapters that are in the voice of men, but I I do tend to go for females. That's what I tend to do. But as a tip, I would just say whether you go for female uh, fic, you know, women's fiction or whatever you're doing, you just got to make sure the characters are are you know good. Uh, I do believe I have to say that what's really interesting to me about women, women in history and even in recent times is particularly in history, women had no legal rights. They had nothing. So they had to be very uh, conniving and wily sometimes, you know, to try to manipulate the situation. And even um, a, a modern version of that, um, <laughs> uh, the movie My Big Fat Greek Wedding, which I loved, uh, if you've seen that, the um, the mother, Lainey Kazan, makes the father feel it's his think it's his idea to let their daughter go to college and she does all this manipulation so that to feed his ego and when you think about it you know that part of of the female and their ability to do that is quite remarkable so that's probably another reason why i tend to like women in in fiction but my tip as far as a tip is just whatever you're going to write just really zero in on your characters i think it's very important I agree. I think that's a great tip. Of course, I'm character driven, so right. Um, right. I, I I love I love that tip, Sarah. Oh, <laughs> that's a great tip. <laughs> yeah. No, because I I thought, how am I going to say that? I've been asked this before. Tip. I can't tell anyone to write. You know, this is the way you write women's fiction. I you know how can I do that? But I do feel that. No matter what you're writing, it's very important. And I do really like the idea of women throughout history have had to be very strong. So, uh, Yeah, and that comes across in your novel uh, as well. Uh, you know, writing is a process of so many things. What is it you love most about what you do? Um. Well, yeah, and as you know, uh, it, it can be very frustrating sometimes as a writer, you know, when you hit a wall or something. I think what I really love is taking a tiny idea at first 
And then uh, for me, either doing it in research or you live with it and you live with it and you're in the shower and suddenly you think of, oh, yeah, this person could do this to that person or um you know, you're driving and you see something, you say, yeah, maybe that would person would do that. And uh, to me, that's a great joy. I really like that. And then building it and building it so it becomes a book or a long short story or whatever. So that's what I love about writing and, and you know, that kind of thing. Well, is there anything about the process that you don't like? Well, as I said, you know, and I'm getting better at this, uh, when I'm trying to make something work or I'm writing something and the words aren't there anymore, I hate what I've written, um, I used to just get so frustrated I'd go to the refrigerator and eat, you know, and I've gotten better now. I, I now learn, okay, my brain has frozen, it's not working, get up, and I do something totally different, like something physical, or if if there's some dishes in the sink, I'm making sure that I do that, or I go outside and look at my tomato plant, or whatever, uh, feed a cat. So uh, I've learned, that's the part that's very hard with anything creative, I think, when you, you, you go up against that creative wall. I agree with you. I, I'm I'm not creative in the way of writing, but I have yeah. other creative things that I do. And if you, you yeah. have that block, you just need to push away and yeah. come back. Exactly. I mean, for many, many years before I was a writer, I was a quilt designer and quilter. And because I was a designer, I, I ran up the same problems there, you know, and I'd have to just walk away. Exactly. Well, authors work in so many different ways. Are you a planner outlining everything and making extensive notes or are you a pantser flying by the seat of your pants and letting that book go (laughs) wherever it will? Uh, I'm a little bit of both, if you want to know the truth. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> I think this is really weird. I found out later that not a lot of authors do this. Uh, I do need some kind of idea of where I'm heading, you know, even if it's just very preliminary and uh, I know it's going to change. So that's kind of important, and I'll write that down. I'll jot that down. Uh, but what I, the way I work, and I, I really believe it's because all the years of piecing together quilts. Um, I, what happens is I will put little ideas or book pages or whatever on tiny little pieces of paper. And then I toss them into a big folder. I don't even think about it. It just goes in, goes in, goes in. And it could be something that is song triggered. It could be a photograph. It could be a, a, a movie that I watch that has nothing to do with the book I'm going to write. But triggers something, a motivation of a character or something like that. So then I put them all in this big envelope. And then as I get further along, uh, I start, I go inside that big folder and I take out all these little pieces of paper and I put them into letter size envelopes, like one, you know, different character's name. I just throw anything to do with them or let's say I know I've read something that's beautiful uh, I in a book. 
Uh, I want to use that for ambiance, you know. Uh, I did that with unexpected gifts. A lot of the scenes, like at Woodstock, when they're bathing in the water, and, you know, I took that from photographs, so I put something like that and marked it and just would throw it into an envelope marked ambiance. So uh, that's how I kind of get things rolling. And then as I'm writing, Sometimes I handwrite, sometimes I'm on the computer, but I always print it out and then edit that way. So I'm kind of all over the place. <laughs> Sorry. I don't, I don't have an exact way of doing it, but I, I like an outline, but I, I also let things flow. What a fabulous process. Your process alone sounds great. I know. I actually, I, cause I've been speaking at different book clubs and presentations and I've actually kept some of uh, one of my spiral notebooks with all the little pieces of paper, you know, stuck into it with page numbers and notes to the side. This is before I'd write each chapter just to, you know, get a, a detailed outline. But everyone always laughs when they see the little flappy papers all over the place. So. Well, I think that's great. <laughs> Thank you. Do you mind sharing a little bit about your next project with us? Well, I, you know, I don't know the next thing that I did. Do you mean what's out? Or? No. What, what are you working on now? Oh, okay. Actually, I, I have in the wings a Civil War novel. Uh, but I'm putting that aside for now. And I'm gathering together uh, some more shorts, another collection, but it's from, cause when I first started getting published, they were little flash fiction pieces. So I haven't thought of a title, but it's going to have something to do with, uh, word count. And the, the book, it's not going to be long, is going to be short stories, but starting from my very shortest one, and I'll have the word count there to the longer ones. And they're not all historical. But it's kind of like clearing out my cupboards and writing and rewriting these ideas. And that's that's what I'm hoping to do next. So, you know, to get out there. Well, and you do have another collection out called yes, I Sewing do. Can Be Dangerous. Right. And actually, I wrote those before Unexpected Gifts. But I was told by uh, publishers and agents that it, as an unknown author, I should try to get the um, the novel out first and then bring in the short stories because according, you know, it do a lot of people in the publishing industry then, it's changing, Uh you know, unknown authors with short stories will go nowhere. So that's what I was told. So I wrote Unexpected Gifts and then went back to rewrite for style uh, Sewing Can Be Dangerous stories. Well, I find the topic of the Civil War, I can't wait to read that one. Yeah, all I can I'm say, if I can so get it excited. together, it's going to be involve a female spy. There were a lot of them. And a female Pinkerton agent. There was one and some other people. So that's all I'm going to say. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> well, we have seen a lot of changes in the publishing industry just in the last couple of years. Do you feel the changes have impacted your own work? And if so, in what ways? And how do you feel about those changes? Well, you know, um, I come from a family of writers, so when I first started getting my manuscripts together, 
I only wanted to go the traditional route because I thought, oh, well, I know self-publishing is here, but I don't know. I don't know if it's taken seriously or whatever. It was just me, and uh, which I've learned is foolish. But anyway, um, I think what the self-publish, it's now gone much more self-publishing. I think it's wonderful in many ways because it's very hard to get out there as an author, uh, you know, trying to get your work accepted. And so, so many wonderful authors who just didn't get a chance to be out there, um, they're able to be out there now. And I think that's wonderful. And so it's because I've been reading a lot of self-published authors, and I can't believe how good they are. They're just wonderful. But I think the bad side is now, because so many people can do it, the competition is just fierce and it's that much harder for authors to try to get their books known because you're competing not against hundreds and hundreds or thousands of books. We're talking millions of books. So, you know, I, I think that's the bad side, but overall I think it's, it's good that they're allowing self-published authors. The myth number And now it's time for Myth Nomer, our word for the day. Today's phrase is, in honor of Sarah, women's fiction. What does this phrase really mean in the publishing world, Sarah, do you think? And do you set, did you set out to write women's fiction or did the story just end up there and it was a convenient label? Uh, fill us in on that. Well, I think you you just said it. I didn't set out to do this. I just sort of did it by instinct. And uh, now it's being labeled as such. You know, I, I didn't go out saying, I'm going to write women's fiction. I, I just never thought of it that way. But I have been fascinated with women, you know, as I said before. So I, I don't really know what to say. You know, uh, I, I definitely didn't set out to do this. It just, I let it let it go wherever it was going to go. Well, in the publishing world, what, you know, we hear this, women's fiction, we hear the phrase, that phrase, and we hear chiclet. What mm-hmm. what do those phrases mean, though? I mean, what makes a book be able to fit in those genres, do you think, in your opinion? Well, I think, uh, you know, particularly, I, I don't know about chick lit so much, although I've been on a, uh, on a blog, uh, that they do chick lit. Maybe there's a, a sensibility that it's written for women more, that women would appreciate it more. Although I've had male, uh, reviewers really like the books. I don't, I don't know. I do think, you know, a lot of times there is that sensibility that a woman has had a, a, a hand in something. Um, but, you know, it's, it's hard because, um, I've read books where written by women who have made ma- the main characters are males and they've done it very successfully and vice versa. So I don't know. Maybe it's the way I, it has to do with appeal, I guess, that, Maybe my books would appeal more to women than men. I don't know. I don't know. Because I'm getting very good responses from male readers, too. So I don't know what to tell you. I'm not giving you a really good answer. But That's okay. I was just surprised when I saw that label. Because yeah. Because it surprised me a little bit. Where, um, did you, where did you see that label? I think I saw that on Amazon. Oh, okay. <laughs> 
I don't know. I don't know because, as you know, having read the book, there are quite there's several chapters that are very male oriented. Yeah. You know? See, I think I would, after having finished it, I think I would probably go more with historical than I would women's fiction. To be yeah. honest, but yeah. but we're gonna we're gonna take the women's fiction because that gives you an extra genre. That's true. I'll take whatever <laughs> I can get. <laughs> Who knew I would pick up another genre? So yeah, yeah, I agree. Well, Sarah, if you could have a dinner party with any seven people, living, dead, or fictional, who would you include? Well, uh, I kind of, uh, I, I've been thinking about this. Um, they would be mostly women writers, probably. The first one would be Agatha Christie, because she wrote at a time when there was no internet, uh, no TV back then. I'd love to know how she got all her, what sources she used to be, you know, with her plots and how things worked out. She must have done quite a bit of investigation, but how she did it, I, I, I'd be really interested in, in quizzing her on that. Um, I also, as a kid, loved Mary Stewart and Victoria Holt, who were romance, historical romance novelists. And I was really curious, like Mary Stewart, uh, for instance, she had her books set in Greece all over and things like that. So I was, I would probably want to, you know, grill her on, oh, did you actually go to these places and where did you stay and where did you get all that information? Um, I also had my one male at this dinner party would be Shelby Foote, who's a, a Civil War historian. And I had seen him on Ken Burns' uh, documentary, fabulous documentary on the Civil War. And, you know, all these historians were wonderful and very erudite and all that. But he was marvelous because when he talked... From his expression, his facial expressions, the way he sounded, it was like he was really there living it with them. And I just found that so appealing and fascinating. So I'd love to have him at my table. And then I guess um, maybe Emily Dickinson and Mary Shelley because they were both sort of cut over. I mean, they were writing at a time when women weren't supposed to do that and would not be accepted. And they didn't care. They went ahead anyway. It was pretty interesting. And uh, other people like Dodie Smith, she wrote, I Captured the Castle, which I loved as a teenager. And I probably want to find out, did she actually live in a castle in England to write it? So I don't know if I have seven there, but that's who I was going to do. Those are seven. I haven't heard of some of those. I'd complete. I read Mary Stewart and Victoria Holt when I was really young, too. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was. I loved it. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. So. Stewart did the Merlin series, didn't she? Maybe, Stuart? maybe. I, I don't know. I know she did all these sort of romantic, historical romantic, and they would go at different places, you know, around the world. So, but maybe, maybe, you know, I, I stopped reading her after a while. So it's possible. Sarah, what question do you never get asked that you wish someone would ask? And what would your answer be? Okay. I looked at that question. I I have no idea <laughs> because I've been on various blogs interviewed and I have been really impressed by the 
uh, enormous range of questions from silly off the wall stuff to really deep thinking, you know, or to autobiographical. I, I just don't know. I, I, I really don't have an answer to that question because I think a lot of the interviewers, they do a great job in really thinking about, you know, trying to get something different each time from the different authors they use. So I don't have an answer is your answer. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, okay. everyone has their own personal myths, things a lot of people think about us that may or may, may not be true, their own personal myth behaviors. What myth behavior do people believe about you that is absolutely not true? Well, I was thinking about that. Um I think in the past, particularly, I, I was a singing waitress and I was a secretary and a college student and I sang in small clubs and a lot, not a lot, but there were a few people who thought I was a goody two shoes and, you know, uh, I don't know, they uptight and everything. And so that was frustrating because I'm not a goody two shoes, but something about the way I dressed, the way I acted, I don't know, you know. And then um, recently, more recently, I've had students come up to me and say, oh, my God, you're so positive. You're so wonderful. You just, you exude all this, you know, positive energy. It's great. Well, they have no idea what I was like probably after class going home exhausted saying, I don't want to talk to anyone. Leave me alone. <laughs> but uh, but uh, I think that's kind of an occupational hazard of teachers and performers. You know, you have to be on. So that's, yeah. So those are the two things that are not true. <laughs> I, I, I can sympathize with those, Sarah. Uh, <laughs> what misbehavior do people believe about you that really is true? Well, uh, besides my family and my friends, um, my students, too, have told me, or people that I connect with, you know, and get to know me a little bit, they all say uh, that I seem to really care about them or things. And I think that's really true, so much so that I've had to learn in my life to back off a little bit for my own health sake, you know, but it, it's really true. I do I do care about things very much. So. I like that answer very much. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it's been a long road to learning. Okay, don't get more involved with this or this person. You know, just back off, give them space, give yourself space, that kind of thing. So. Well, Sarah, it's that time at the end of our show. Thank you so much for being our guest. We appreciate your information and all the sharing that you've done with us today. Thank you so much, both of you, for having me on. It's it's really been a kick. I, thank you very much. It, it has. It has been fun, and we do appreciate you taking the time to chat with us. Uh, I think you've given us a fascinating look at what you do. I'm looking forward to reading more work by you because I, I really enjoyed uh, Unexpected Gifts. And, again, I highly recommend that to all of our listeners. Thank you so much, Mayor. appreciate it. Well, remember, everyone, you can go to MythBehaving.com for more information about Sarah Mallory and links to her books. You can also read her bio and find links to her social media. Don't forget that you can download this episode on iTunes or listen right on the MythBehaving.com website. Please take a moment to leave us a positive feedback on iTunes. And don't forget that you can also subscribe to us on iTunes. 
Well, thanks for tuning in to Myth Behaving. We'll see you again next time. I'm Carla. And I'm Mare, and we are Myth Behaving, where reality meets fantasy. See you soon.